today we come to the book of Jude, possibly the most neglected book in the New Testament. I'm sure many of you have never read it, and even if you did, you thought it was very strange, very hard to understand. Things like angels fighting with Satan, you know, stuff that we don't usually think about. Many of us don't even think about angels at all. Secondly, it is also a book that Jude quotes quite a lot from non-biblical sources. Now Jude was writing largely to a Jewish group of people and he uses a lot of quotations that are very strange to us. They come from books which we call the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha were books written during the 400-year gap after Malachi until the coming of John the Baptist. There was 400 years of prophetic silence. God didn't have any prophets. No one could say, thus said the Lord. But during those 400 years, books were written by Jewish people who knew the Old Testament. They were not having direct new revelation, but they knew the Old Testament and God did show them some truths. Their books they wrote were not, to our mind, they're not inspired, all right? They're not inspired, that's why they're not in the Bible, but there were truths in them, which Jude, led by the Holy Spirit, used some of the truths in those books in the book of Jude. So to you and me, we've never seen those books before. So what he quotes is like very strange to us, but not to the readers of that time. Now you begin to ask yourself this question. Why does in this last book of the, almost the last book, second last book of the New Testament, God allow some books to be quoted that are not actually part of the inspired scripture as far as we are concerned, right? The Roman Catholics add some of these apocryphal books into the Roman Catholic Bible. The Roman Catholic Bible is a bit thicker than ours. There's some of these apocryphal books, but for us, they're not inspired. But nonetheless, I think God wants to teach us that there are truths even in other books. Sometimes as preachers, we quote famous preachers. We read some books somewhere, we quote those. And we all agree those were good men, they had good truths, and we quote them. It doesn't mean every quote we take in our preaching or teaching must be from the Bible itself. We can take from good books, right? And books that are very popular, people know those books, we can use those quotes very easily, people get it very quickly. So these were books that the Jewish people, right, were very familiar with. And so Jude uses these books, but to us, quaint. Right? So that's another reason why this book's very much neglected. Now, who is Jude? He was one of the brothers, biological half-brother of Jesus Christ, right? And we know that the brothers of Jesus did not believe in him until after the resurrection. That's found in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Then they believed in him when they saw the resurrected Christ, right? And Later, many of them, I don't know how many brothers he had, several, at least uh, four, maybe five, I don't know. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 5 says that, right, they 
went around serving the Lord. Of course, we have already read one of them, James. James was also a half-brother. Huh? And now we have Jude. So two half-brothers wrote in uh, as writers of the Bible. Now, when people say Virgin Mary, you have to be careful. She was only a virgin at the time Jesus was conceived. We cannot call her the Virgin Mary anymore. She had many children after that, right? It's like ridiculous. You're calling a woman who's got 20 kids now a, a virgin. That's kind of weird, right? Now, so uh, this person, his, actually his real name was Judas or Judah, Yehuda, as the, the, the uh, Hebrews would pronounce, but I think they put as Jude because they don't want to uh, people to think this is the Judas Iscariot, right? Which is not a very nice person to compare with. Now, by the time Jude wrote this letter, it was already much after Christ's death and resurrection, right? And these were often second generation Christians in the churches and so the issues are very different already okay now i want you to note that in our generation i don't know what generation is hundreds of years after christ two things very commonly corrupt the church two things right one is legalism people find the gospel too simple so they make a lot of conditions. You want to be a Christian, you got to stop this, stop this, stop this, stop this, and then believe in Jesus, right? Or you must believe in Jesus and do this, 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 then you go to heaven. So those are legalists, right? They find the gospel too simple and then it's too, too plain for the complicated minds, right? Because the gospel is simple, being born again by faith, right? Trusting Jesus. So the add works. But this type usually, all right, in our circles, so-called Bible-believing circles, are not so many. They're few. The second kind of church that usually comes up after many generations is the licentious church. So there's a legalistic, too many rules, instead of just believing faith in Christ saves you, they add rules. Or the second is a licentious. Oh, you're already saved, so you can live any way you like, right? Don't worry. You're going to heaven anyway. You're saved. As a Sunday school kid, you're told you, you, you made a profession of faith. Don't worry. You're okay. You're on your way to heaven. Passport already there. No expiry date. Huh? Right? And so many churches have believers and who love to go and hear licentious preachers so that they can have that cake and eat it. You know what I mean? They can have both heaven in, in eternity and also live the sinful life now, okay? So these are the two, and the issue here in this book, in Jude, Jude was addressing the issue of licentiousness, very much like Peter, Second Peter, Second Peter, very similar, similar kind of sins, all right? That sex and money become the obsession of Christians, okay? Of Christians, huh? please, when I say Christians, don't forget the inverted commas, okay? Second generation, a lot of people just assume they were believers, okay? Because they have been in church, they were born in church, they were baptized, etc. Okay, so let's go ahead and look at who were these people he was writing to. Basically, he was writing to Jewish believers. Quite obvious because he uses so much Old Testament scripture and Jewish writings, apocryphal books, which you and I don't even know about, okay? 
So he was writing to Jewish believers. Okay, so let's just go into this book and look at it. It's not easy, but it's a very small book, so we can go take our time. Begins in Jude, uh, no, say chapter one. There's only one chapter. Jude one, as Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. So he's the brother of Jesus. He calls himself a slave of Jesus, and he doesn't want to bring that up. I mean, he dare not call himself a brother of Jesus. I mean, it's like. The gap is too big, all right? That's, he's a son of God. He just happens to be born in my house. And my mom was privileged to carry him, all right? As a baby and uh, born of my mom, all right? But I not really, I mean, we are, but I am a brother of James, he says that, I see. So we see even James did not identify himself as a brother of Jesus. He calls himself a servant of Jesus. Then we look at verse 3. Beloved, though I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. He actually intended to write a, a letter talking about the beautiful, wonderful faith they have, you know, the amazing salvation they have in Christ. But he felt he needed to write about this because there was a crisis. He sensed a crisis in the church maybe they didn't sense it but he sensed it and he said i need to write this and he said we have to contend for the faith the word content is to fierce strenuous fight for the faith you and i do they have to contend for the faith because believe me churches are either legalistic and they make christ like less than a savior you can't save unless you do do do, do so many things or he looks like one who gives us a license so he can sin, 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 sin because you have salvation, right? And many uh, people in the outside world just think this is a Christian. Yeah, everything cannot do, everything cannot do, right? That's, we hear of legalistic churches. And then on the other hand, they say, wow, churches are, pastors can make plenty of money, huh? they buy penthouses, they fly in personal jets, huh? whoa, okay? <clears throat> so, they have these two ideas of Christians. And then many pagans see Christians as the most immoral people, you know. They see America, they see Hollywood, and they think that's Christian, you know, all right. They see uh, the president of America claiming to be Christian, and, you know, he's divorced two times, three times, whatever. And wow, it's amazing. These are Christians, okay. So these are the two views, and we need to contend. We need to fight to preserve the name of our God, okay, and of our faith. The faith that was once for all delivered to us, okay. That's the same simple faith we have had. No need to add, right, to anything to it. Okay, verse 4. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality, right and deny our only master and lord jesus christ okay so we see here they have these are people who crept in unawares in other words you are not even aware they are there you probably don't even know these things are happening in your midst and i'm talking to lots of christians who are probably listening to me right now you probably don't even sense it it's so normal now okay Actually, Jude is just saying what his half-brother said, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, wolves will come in in sheep's clothing. I'm warning you, very early, 
Sermon of the Mount, wolves will come in in sheep's clothing. What does that mean, sheep's clothing? They look like good guys. You trust them. They are your heroes, okay? But they're wolves, <laughs> okay? So, and what do they come in to do? They come in to pervert the grace of God into sensuality. Grace, free gift of salvation. You're going to heaven. Jesus died for you. Do what you want. All right? That's not the gospel. Free grace to receive Jesus as Savior. So Jesus comes into our heart, gives us a new DNA, which we learn in 1 John. We are born with a seed from God. Born again with a new desire, new character. If we want to sin, if we desire to sin, we're not a child of God. That's what First John said, just a, which we just read, we just studied, all right? But these people preach, ah, just raise your hand, raise your hand. Who wants to receive Jesus? Come up, receive Jesus. Hallelujah, you're going to heaven, all right? Now you can do whatever you like. And so that is the, they turn, they pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our master, notice that, huh? and Lord. We don't just receive Jesus as our Savior. He, we receive Him as our Master and Lord. He is our hero. He's the one we obey. He's the one we want to be like. We're saved to be like Him. All right? Not to get a license from Him to sin. Okay? Hyper grace, which is now the main thing, the big churches, right? Because people love this kind of doctrines. Okay? One type of character likes legalism. They like to suffer you know but not many the other love legal uh, licentiousness just free to do what you like okay so i hope you are seeing this last near the end of the bible something very very important for you now verse 5 says now i want to remind you although you once fully knew it that jesus who saved a people out of the land of egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe now from verse 5 onwards he's giving examples okay he starts with the first example that every jew knows about two million came out of egypt only two entered the promised land the rest didn't believe okay and every time when people read this and there are interpreters of the bible who say they are writing to believers they're writing to christians for goodness sake, you're writing to people in church doesn't mean they're believers. Okay? And they say, you see, you see, they write to these believers and these believers can lose their salvation. They're writing to church goers. For goodness sake, only God knows who is saved. And whoever is saved is saved. Alright? But who is in church? I don't know who is saved. In Israel at that time, two million came out. They all looked like they're saved. Two were really saved. In my church, I don't know how many. Okay? But you will know by their fruit. You will know by their life. If they live a life of love, as we learn in John, 1 John, then we know that agape love has been put into their heart already. Writing to believers does, is different from writing to people in church. Okay? Only God knows who are believers, for goodness sake right and there are commentators who keep saying oh these are writing to 
born again believers. How do you know who is born again? Right? So it tells us, please be careful, you guys. I'm writing too. Are you sure you're believers? Right? And the angels who did, verse 6, did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. He is kept in eternal chains and the gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Okay, this is kind of quaint to us. You know, we know in Genesis chapter 6, we verse 2, it says the sons of God, right, married the daughters of men. That's in Genesis. So we don't know how to interpret sons of God, daughters of men. Commentators have all kinds of interpretation. But one of the apocryphal writers explains it. One Enoch, right? One Enoch, which our friend here, Jude, is quoting, right? Explains that these sons of God were actually angels who had perverted sex with the uh, daughters of men, right? And produced a strange breed of people, okay? So, these angels, what did they do when they rebelled against God and had perverted sex? God put them into this horrible place called eternal chains under gloomy darkness. I don't know where that is, some special place they are locked up unto the judgment of the great day. So another example of people who, all right, angels of all people, God also judged. Israelites, God let them die in the wilderness angels in gloomy darkness right just as sodom and gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise indulge in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire they were homo they were uh, homosexuals right serve example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire god sent them off burned them blood sodom and gomorrah and then sent them off to eternal hell what is god saying here all right God is saying that those who live this kind of life of unbelief, right, life of sexual immorality, rebelling against God, right, and all this, their lifestyle, by their lifestyle, you know, they are not believers, all right? And so, where do they go? They got judged. God will judge them. You know, there's no theology in this book. He doesn't say they believe the wrong thing. No. He is judging them by their works. By their works, you know whether they are believers or not. Today, we judge people by their creed. Oh, he believes. I know. He raised his hand. I know. All right. He signed our church confession of faith. Right? Look at their behavior. And you can tell. Okay, whether there is the seed of Christ in them as First John, right? They keep on sinning, rebelling without any issue, without any conscience, okay? And then in verse uh, 8, Yet in like manner these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, 
contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Jesus. He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they destroy it by all by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. He's talking about people who are so rebellious, they are not afraid just to blaspheme anything. And he uses one example. So basically he's talking about, you know, when you see a rebellious guy, who is God, I can do anything I like, you know, that kind of thing. Talking arrogantly, rebelliously, that kind of behavior, you better begin to wonder, is that a God-fearing man or a man who doesn't fear God? Okay, he can make his rules, he can act as if he's a god in the church. You be careful, okay? And he says here, he's using a, a, a story we are not even familiar with. This is a story about the burial of Moses in verse 9. He said the archangel Michael fought with Satan regarding who should bury Moses. Now, this is kind of quaint to us, right? But actually, in Deuteronomy 34, verse 5 and 6, it does tell us that nobody knows where Moses died. God told Moses to go up to the mountain, Mount Nebo, and he would die there and be buried. But if nobody knows where he is, obviously nobody went up with him to bury him. So who buried him? So in this book called the Testament, of Moses. It's a Jewish book again, one of those books you and I have never read, but all the Jews know this story, okay? Which probably is true. Otherwise, Jude wouldn't quote it. God wouldn't allow Jude to quote it, right? Not the rest of the book may be true, but this part may be true, okay? Inspired or not inspired, but true, so God allows it. And it says that God sent the angel Michael to go and bury the body of Moses when he dropped it on top of Mount Nebo. But Satan was already there and they disputed. And you know what? The archangel, you know, the number one angel said to Satan, and don't forget Satan was also one of the high angels who fell. The archangel said, the Lord rebuke you. The archangel dare not even say, I rebuke you. Right? He let God do it. Now, what is this? really telling us what is the lesson behind this okay that we should realize okay that we are all under god's authority don't act so big don't strut around as if you own the church as if you make the rules as you are this big guy in the in in christendom or whatever Right? Look at Jesus, the biggest of all, the highest of all. He looks so ordinary. Look at Paul. He looks so ordinary. Look at Peter. Look at James. These are the servants of God, not those strutting around uh, people who just act as if they are the authority on anything. We are not authorities on anything. Okay? So he says, you know, even Michael the Archangel, you think, wow, he's going to come down in glory. Michael the Archangel walking. He was so humble, he said to Satan, I'm not going to argue with you. God rebuke you. I'm not going to say anything. You were taught, Michael, and he said, you, you know who I am, right? Not Nothing of that sort. That's what this whole book of Jude about is about, the behavior. You tell a man, okay, we always talk about doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. 
hard to know what a man really believes easy to see what a man really is okay so we have here uh, verse 11 woe to them for they have walked in the way of Cain abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perish in Korah's rebellion. It gives three more examples of bad, horrible behavior. Cain killed his brother because he envied his brother. The Bible says because his brother's work was good. Okay, so Cain behaved with envy. He didn't want to be upstaged by his younger brother. Second guy mentioned Balaam in, in, found in Numbers 22. All right. Balaam was what kind of person? He served God for money. As long as you pay me, I will say what you want me to say. Okay? There are many people like that. They preach to the gallery. They preach to the crowd. They know what will bring the crowds. Alright? And that means the offerings too. And the tithes, which they preach very faithfully. Alright? And then there was the next example of Korah. Korah is found in Numbers. Korah led a rebellion. He didn't like Moses to have the, the limelight. He said, why everything Moses? Why not us? We're also from a good line, right? From the Levite line, right? And so, what is, what is Jude trying to teach us? Okay? Be careful. These men have come in. People who envy others, people who serve for money, right? People who like to be number one, the big boys, okay? Be careful. That's got nothing to do with our faith. They're not showing their children, their followers of Jesus Christ, the meek and lowly servant of Galilee, right? Verse 12. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Verse 12 says they are hidden reefs. You know, all sailing people are very frightened of hidden reefs. You go your boat, you can't see the reef, you hit the reef, you go down. These men are hidden reefs in your church. You don't know they're going to sink you and sink your church. You can't tell. They don't look dangerous. Those waters where the reef is hidden look safe waters to sail in, but they are dangerous. They are shepherds who feed themselves <laughs> okay all right waterless clouds you expect clouds to give you water no they swept along by the winds these are winds cloud eating and swept so fast no rain or time to drop right fruitless trees don't give you anything while verse 13 wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of casting up the foam of their own shame you know, as the sea comes in, it churns up the stuff at the bottom, the sand, the mud comes up, right? These are 
those type of people all right you can see in their life you can see the shame coming up in their life but they just don't know it's shameful they think if i drive this big car it shows i'm a big guy it shows they're actually the opposite of christ they live this fancy style fancy style it's the opposite of christ they preach all this uh hyper grace the opposite of christ opposite totally opposite but they don't know they let the shame come up proudly all right thinking wow this is look at the foam i am producing by the waves okay but what kind of foam are they up casting up foam of their own shame all right so that's what this last book of uh, 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 near the end of the bible is teaching us about let's look at verse 14 and 15 it was uh, also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Have you noticed the word ungodly four times? Right? And it's all about their behavior, okay? Can you see? Hmm. The deeds, ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way. Are you following what I'm trying to say? Can you see it around you? Have you got eyes to see? Hmm. What is godly? Who is the example of godly? Jesus. The perfect example. Do these people resemble Jesus uh, even a little bit? <laughs> Or are they like, like direct opposites? Okay? Whatever they say, watch. Use your eyes. Okay? You've seen Jesus in the Gospels. You've seen Paul. You've seen Peter. You've seen James. Now you see your leaders. Use your eyes. Right? Don't hear what sweet beautiful things they say watch their ways see many many christians don't know enough doctrine to question these people they never know enough they never read the bible so how can you question whatever the guy says you just take but at least most christians except the blind church have eyeballs to see and they can see and they can know even they don't know much about Jesus' teachings. They know Jesus was a very simple man. They know he was a carpenter's son, right? They know poor Apostle Paul was making tents for a living, right? He lived a very hard life. He was beaten, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked. He had nowhere proper to stay. Jesus had no home, not penthouses, all right? Can you see that, right? Even if you can't get the doctrines, right? And then verse... Uh, Verse 16, these are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud mouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. Again, nothing to do with doctrine. Who are they? The grumblers. They're malcontents, never contented. They want a bigger jet, a bigger car, a bigger house, a fancier hairstyle, whatever. Falling their own sinful desires, not falling Christ, right? Sinful desire to be like Korah, number one, you know, Cain, 
they want to be out you know they want to beat everybody right just like the world they're loud mouth boasters and they show favoritism to the rich to gain advantage okay uh, i think enough said right so anyone with eyes and a little deduction can figure out all the rest there's no need uh, too much um, explanation verse 17 but you must remember beloved the predictions of the apostles of our lord jesus christ they said to you in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions not doctrines uh, passions uh, <clears throat> It is these who cause divisions, worldly people. I hope you can see all the devoid of the Holy Spirit, full of the spirit of the world. Mm. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the faith. Okay, look at verse 22. Have mercy on those who doubt. There are people whose minds are still struggling. Struggling. Have mercy on them. Be patient. Okay? Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Some are already deeply in. You know, some are just wondering, should I join this place? Should I be part of this church? Shall I be part of this drama and this 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 whatever movement? The others already inside, snatch them out. Okay? But be careful. Alright. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Be careful. You might get tainted in the process. It's quite easy. Worldliness is something we all fall for. Believe me. Fame pride, arrogance, gain, all these things, we are not immune. Be careful. You mix with such people, you can be stained. Trying to help them, you can be affected. Right? And then finally, we just thank God. He says, now to him who is able, verse 24, to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Thank God God can keep us. Right? Now, please read Jude carefully. It's not to be a neglected book. I think it's a very needful book in these last days. Okay? Because the wonderful God we have known, the amazing Jesus Christ who serves, is now being pictured in the whole world, right? As no more a servant, right? But people will say, ah, Christians, ah, my goodness, look at all that immorality, look at all these super rich guys who use the name of Christ, right? And then the name of Christ is shamed. That wonderful Savior who came humble, meek, born in a manger, grew up in a carpenter's house, 
went to ministry with nowhere to lay his head, finally laid his head on a wooden cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, and then today, a beautiful, wonderful agape love of Christ is contaminated by wicked men brought in and contaminating church after church, contaminating people's mind to think Christianity is a Western Hollywood materialistic God. The thing that Christians have got a license to sin, hyper grace, you're safe, don't even need to confess your sins, just do what you like, all your sins are settled. Do what you like. Men are shaming this beautiful God, this wonderful God we have. May God help you to contend for the faith. Strenuously fight, right? To preserve the simple faith once for all given to us. God bless you. Thank you.